as we've already addressed, we've got a wide range of ages and stages of life represented here this morning. But I believe that God's story is dynamic and relevant for all of us. So if you're an adult, I challenge you to embrace these kids this morning and what they bring to our community. And if you're a kid, I can still see you from up here. So, um, and you got to be back with me next week. So, um, if you cannot see me, you are welcome to come sit up front. Um, and I do want to ask that you guys do pay attention to Miss Elizabeth and listen. And I am actually going to need a few helpers in a little bit. So, I'm going to be looking for people who are paying attention so that they are ready to help. So, this is the last week of our series called Your Story. And Pastor Lori and Pastor Mike have been teaching us all about how we can live out the mission of hope in our personal stories and in our story together as a church. And I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about how our stories fit together and how they fit into God's bigger story of rescue and redemption. So my story began 32 years ago in 1987. And that same year, there was a news story that gripped the nation of another young girl named Jessica McClure. Does anybody remember seeing the coverage? Old, old, old. Okay, yeah. Um, so baby Jessica, she had an accident, but she was rescued. Um, and it was an amazing story. Jessica was 18 months old, and she was playing hide-and-go-seek, and she actually fell into a hole in her backyard. So it was really narrow, it was really deep, it was actually a well. And it was really scary because she was stuck down there for several days. Now, the cool thing is that a lot of people worked together to rescue her. Grown-ups who were firefighters and doctors, but also other families and kids from the neighborhood, they all came together to do whatever they could to support and love on baby Jessica and her family. And then when she was finally rescued, the whole country watched it on the news and everyone celebrated together. So I want you guys to think about baby Jessica and all these people working together today as we talk about some people that worked together in God's story. Now we're going to be learning from the book of Genesis today. And some of you guys know that book is the very first book of the Bible. So here's what happened. The first thing is that God created everything. Who can tell me some things that God made? What? Water? Yeah. Leo? Animals? Wyatt? Us. Yes. And what was? Trees. Yeah, he definitely made trees. Nobody on this side of the room? Cookies? Yeah, he made cookies. I mean, that's, that's the real news. Hazel, what did he make? He did make the sky. All right. So who can tell me out of all those things that God made, Mary, what was the most important thing? Us people, right? How did God make everything else? He just spoke and they came into being, right? But when God made people, he, what did he do? He breathed into the first person to make him alive. God lives inside of us. And that's what's so special about people is because God made us to be like him in his very own image. Now, after God made everything, a separation happened, right? 
sin entered the world and there was a distance between God and people. And this is a really big problem since God loves people and he wants to be close to us. Luckily, though, God had a master plan or a story of rescue and redemption for the world and for all of the people in it that he loves so much, including us. So God's plan started with this guy named Abraham, and God told Abraham that he was going to have a family, a really big family. And this family that God was starting through Abraham was going to go on and on from generation to generation until eventually Jesus actually came from this family. So a lot of times when I remember the book of Genesis, I think about the really great people and the characters like Adam and Eve and Noah. And there's so many cool stories and people do so many cool things. But what I learned as I was preparing for this lesson is that Genesis isn't just about the people and what they do. It's mostly about God setting up his plan to be close to people. So the characters are important but it's their part in God's story that matters the most. So God's plan to be close to people started with Abraham, and he worked hard at this plan for the rest of his life. But eventually Abraham died, and his son Isaac inherited this calling to lead God's people, the big family that God was making. So basically now it's Isaac's job to keep this plan going. So Isaac is in a unique position in God's story because he's not the first person and he's not the last person. He's somewhere in the middle. He has a much, um, he has an important part of a much bigger plan. And I think the same thing is true for each one of us. Our text today starts in Genesis 26 verse 12 and it says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. So things seem like they're going great for Isaac at first, right? God is blessing him. He's got these crops. They're growing. He's rich. But he's living in the land of the Philistines, and they're getting jealous because God is giving him all of these great blessings. So verse 16 continues and said, Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You've become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So at this point, things take a turn for Isaac, right? Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, is like, sorry, dude, you got to go. People are getting mad because you have all this cool stuff. So Isaac leaves, and he ends up staying at a place um, where his father Abraham had been and had dug several wells. And wouldn't you know it, those pesky Philistines have filled the wells in with dirt. So who can tell me what a well is? No one? What? Okay. All right. What did we have over here, Isabella? Water. Yes. Okay. Does a well come like above the ground, like a tower? No. It goes where? 
It's in the ground, down. It's like a big, deep hole, right? Okay, so why is water so important? Ooh, Wyatt. You can't live without it. Plants, trees, nature, but also us. Our bodies are made out of water. Like, people can't live without it. So it sustains life. It's very important. All right. But wells also represented community, and they represented ownership of land. So back here, um, where, where Isaac's living, it's the desert, okay? So they really need water, and it's probably harder for them to get than it is for us. But also the wells represent ownership of the land and community. So when someone dug a well somewhere, it was really like they were saying, this is our home. So I imagine it was probably very discouraging for Isaac to go stay in this land and see these wells that his father had dug and realize they've been filled in with dirt. So we are going to actually take a closer look at each one of these wells this morning, and I'm going to need a few helpers. Sarah Beth? Lily? Oh, I got it. Yeah, it was like Lily and Isabella. Dorothy, come on. All right. There's other things to help, so if you didn't get picked, don't get mad. I'm sorry. All right, come on up. You can come up the stairs, and I want each of you to stand behind one of the wells, all right? I'm going to give you a picture. I want you to hold it, but I don't want you to turn it around and show people yet, okay? I will tell you when to do that. Here you go. Ready, Dorothy? Here you go. Don't turn it around yet. And here you go, Sarah Beth. All right, very good. You can go stand right in front. Oh, turn it around the other way. The other way. Hide it. The secret. That's okay. Good job. All right. Okay. So let's find out what's going on with these wells. So verse 19 says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Asik because they disputed with him. So the first well that they dug is called Asik. Can you guys say Asik? Asik, right. And Asik means dispute or quarrel. How do you guys feel when you're on a quarrel or a dispute or, you know, an argument? Go ahead and turn it around. And let's show everybody. Let's do, do a little whirly with you. All right, there we go. So we got an angry face to help us remember what this well means, okay? So let's move on to the next well. They dig another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Can you guys say that? Yeah. All right. Very good. So they're fighting over this well too. Like, come on, guys. So Isaac named this one Sitna, and it means accusation or trouble. All right. Can you turn this one around and show us? Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a sad face. It's like a crying face. All right. I feel that way, though, when, when I'm in trouble or when, you know, things happen that are hard. All right, we've got one more do a well to redig. Let's see what we got here, Sarah Beth. It says, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So can you turn that around for us? All right. Finally, no one fought over this well. <laughs> So they named it Rehovoth. Can you guys say that? It's hard. Okay. And um, because God had given 
Uh, It means open spaces because God has given Isaac room to live in this land now. So that's like, wow, oh my gosh, God gave us all this space. So that's why we have the wow face there. All right, you guys did great. Let me have your, your pictures and you can go have a seat. Thank you so much. Careful, hold the rail. Don't fall. Okay, easy. Easy does it. All right, awesome. Like, not, not that easy. You can, okay, here we go. There we go. All right, awesome. Okie doke. So what I love about God's story is that it keeps going, and we can always learn from it. So even though I might not have to dig up wells like Isaac did, I can still relate to the things that these wells represent, and maybe you can too. So there are some things that I would like for us to remember about each one of these wells and why they are significant. First, at our angry face well, Asik, I want us to remember that the story of God isn't dependent upon the morality of the characters. Another way to say that is just that God's story is for everyone. Think about the Philistines. They, like, filled up the the dirt, and they they filled up the wells. And think about Abimelech. He, like, kicked Isaac out of where he was living. They totally got in the way, and they totally slowed things down. But they were also still a part of God's story, right? Um, And I'm sure that we all have people in our lives, family members, coworkers, classmates, little brothers, sisters, people that get in the way, They're annoying, they're mean, they make us angry, but they are still an important part of God's story. You could also be thinking, what about me? I mess up. I've made bad choices. I'm a failure. You are still an important part of God's story. So the next thing I want us to remember at Well 2, Sitna, is that the story of God includes challenges and setbacks. Another way to say this is God's story is hard sometimes. Digging the dirt out of all of these wells, that must have been really hard work. And I bet Isaac and his helpers were so tired and so frustrated because these wells had been filled in with dirt, and it wasn't fair, and it wasn't their fault, but they kept digging. And sometimes being a part of God's story means that hard things happen. Hard things happen to all of us. Adults, young people, kids. And I think sometimes we want an explanation or we want to pretend like everything is fine, but it's okay that sometimes life is just hard. I think we have a tendency especially to want to protect young people and children from things that are hard. And of course, to a certain extent, we should. But we also have to prepare them for their part in God's story, and their story is going to be hard sometimes too. So for those of you that know me, you might know that about eight months ago, my brother passed away. He died unexpectedly. And then the following week, Hurricane Michael came through and devastated the Florida panhandle. 
And I was driving to church the following Sunday thinking about the lesson that I needed to teach with the kids. And I was just struck with the revelation. I was just like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't pretend like everything's okay. Sometimes God's story is just hard. So I just sat on the floor with all of the kids and I said, you know what, guys? Miss Elizabeth had a really sad thing that happened this week. And I know that you guys have probably all had a really hard week too because of this hurricane. So today we're just going to talk about the fact that sometimes life is hard. So I took these two big post-it notes and I put them on the wall. And I put one with a happy face and I put one with a sad face. And me and all the kids, we wrote down all of the good things and the happy things that we could think about. And we wrote down all of the hard things and the sad things that we could think about that were going on in our life. And what we were left with was just this beautiful picture of life hanging on the wall. And I just said, look, guys, God's in all of this somehow. Some of these good things we can't have without some of these hard things. And some of these hard things, they help us grow or we learn from them or they help us appreciate these things that make us happy. Everything is a part of God's story, even the hard things. Now, the final thing that I want us to remember is that God's story is dependent upon intergenerational cooperation. I tried. I could not think of a better way to say that. Um, But another way to say that is just God's story is very big. God's story and his plan to be close to people is so big that one person couldn't do it. Abraham needed Isaac to continue living out the story. And Isaac needed Abraham to go before him and guide him and prepare him for his part in the story. Isaac and his helpers actually went on to dig their own wells after they dug these. So they kept God's story going. And the story kept going after Isaac. And in fact, Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob dug a well. And Jesus ended up at that well. And there's this great interaction in John 4 between Jesus and this woman. And they're standing at the well. And they're talking about this water and the well. And Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Because the water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. Did you guys catch that? Jesus says, he's the water. He's the thing that sustains the life, right? He's the hope. He's the story. God's plan that started with Abraham eventually led with Jesus taking on a human body, becoming a person, so that he could be close to us here and now on this earth. One of the reasons why I kept going back to this story of baby Jessica throughout the week is because it's really interesting to me Um, When they had to organize her rescue, before they could make a plan to get her out of that well, the first thing they had to do was make a plan to get somebody down there. 
So they had to make a plan to get someone down there to her because they knew she needed to have someone close to her. She could not be down there alone, and she needed to have hope. And that's what we need. We need God's plan, his story, and everyone gets to be a part of it. And we need each other because sometimes it's really hard. But God makes space for us. I want to challenge you guys to think about a few things throughout the week. First, what is God doing to get to you? Where do you see God moving in your life or in the lives of the people around you? There's room for everyone, including you, in God's story. Next, are you willing to accept the challenges, the hard things, the digging? We know that hard things are an important part of God's story. Are you avoiding those hard things, or are you willing to lean into them and say, God, I trust that somehow this fits into your story. What story are you passing on to the next generation? Are you willing to look back and learn from the generation before us? Are you willing to look ahead to the generations that will follow, working to prepare them for their part in God's story? Because while each one of us Every generation and every single person matters a lot. It's our part in God's bigger story that matters the most.